Thank you for listening to the Institute of World Politics podcast. To learn more about our graduate programs in national security, international affairs, and intelligence, or to support our work in educating future leaders, please visit www.iwp.edu. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce Professor Jakub Isański from the University of Adam Mickiewicz in Poznań, who is going to talk about uh, the strategies of survival of civilians in the Polish lands between uh, 1939 and uh, 1956. His team made a formidable work of investigating memoirs of Poles who lived in that era and um, the discoveries uh, from the memoirs and the witnesses of Poles, of, uh, the witnesses of those terrible times, uh, are truly impressive. Um, so I welcome Professor Sanski with a solid piece of uh, good uh, historical work. Thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, so, there's such a nice introduction. I would like to start with a table of contents of my work. I will start with the pictures. You can see uh, these are the contemporary present-day pictures from one open-air museum in eastern Poland, but it uh, reminds me the past world, the past that has been destroyed by the war and all the Stalinist uh, efforts after it. The title of my presentation uh, limits uh, the scope of my interest from 1939 up to 1956. As for the civilians or for locals, so to speak, the Victory Day was uh, not so impressive or noticeable at all because the violence, cruelty and all acts of... Uh, how to say that... I will show in a moment. So uh, this is my upside. You can see on the posters uh, from this conference. And the last sentence is the vast majority of these materials have not been published so far. I mean that there is a body of more than 1,000 of diaries collected by the Institute of Western Affairs in Poznań, Poland. And uh, the first uh, competition was announced in 1956. And this, is, this was a very special period of time in Polish history. And again, as I'm a sociologist, I analyze these facts from the sociological perspective. And it was so special because after Stalin's death and the end of Stalinism, uh, people in Poland as well as in other Central European countries, say Hungarians, uh, believe that this is the, the end of uh, communism and this is the time for freedom the, for the first time for 15 years since the beginning of the, the World War II you can tell the truth, uh, you can describe your all the things you had to face during the war and during the liberation and after the war. Uh, some other pictures for me as a sociologist, it contains uh, some interesting information. I guess you might know the left one. It is the monument of in Warsaw Uprising and one of the youngest partisans involved in, in fights, in struggles. It's just a monument from Warsaw. The middle one is uh, for uh, Polish 
Catholic priest, Ojciec Maximilian Maria Kolbe, who died in Auschwitz, sacrificing his life for another uh, fellow prisoner. And the right one seems to be the most interesting. It is in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in the woodlands in southeastern Poland, and it's just uh, one of many, I think one of hundreds of very small monuments located in in nowhere, in places where people during the war where, uh, died, when they were executed, when they just uh, had to, to die. What about the competitions? What about the diaries? Uh, uh, as I told, there are more than 1,000 of them. There were three competitions announced, and the first one uh, is the most interesting. Uh, the Institute of Western Affairs in Poznan collected more than 200 of memories, and they are very, very uh, diverse. Some of them are extremely short, say one page long, written by illiterate people with very poor uh, literacy in Polish. As Professor Hodakiewicz say, for instance, if they are Belarusians, they are locals, so the language they used were just local, with a variety of dialect words and so on and so forth. The, generally speaking, the idea of this competition was a part of continuation of a so-called biographical method in sociology founded by Polish sociologist Florian Staniecki with the American fellow sociologist William Thomas from uh, Chicago University, University of Illinois at Chicago. And it, uh, well, that's it, okay, let's go to the next slide. And uh, this is just to introduce the area of uh, the context of uh, migrations during the, the war and post-war <coughs> post period. Oh, that's better. So as you can see, there is an eastern part of Poland that was captured by Soviets after the, the World War II, and the northern and western part of Poland that we captured from Germany. In 1945, uh, there was a kind of uh, an extreme in numbers movement of people, uh, forced migrations of about 15 millions of people, Generally speaking, from the east to the west, the red figures uh, symbolize Poles, the blue one symbolizes Germans, the green one is for Belarusians, and the yellow ones are for Ukrainians. About one-third of citizens of Poland has changed their place of residence, and as I told, it was uh, kind of a huge movement, uh, forced ones with uh, extreme conditions. And I would like to present you selected examples from these memories, about 25 examples of memories uh, illustrating the war, the liberation and the migration just after the war. What about author, author of, authors of, uh, of diaries? Thirds of them were men. Uh, 
more than 80% of authors uh, were married and it's for me as a sociologist it's a kind of an interesting uh, issue because you can imagine the post-war time the most difficult experience in Polish history ever I mean the, the World War II and even though 80%, more than 80% of our authors were married while today it is somehow similar so we have the period of prosperity we have the economic growth and about one-fifth of Poles are not married and are single so they see that the situation according to sociological researchers, the situation is too difficult to be married or to, to be in relationship with anybody. Okay, what about the education? Uh, as you can see, we, have, uh, we don't have uh, data in percentage because, uh, well, the war was uh, kind of a disaster for any educated people in Europe, in Poland particularly, both uh, parts, say Germans and Soviets, introduced organized actions against uh, educated people. They were executed in many ways. So, generally speaking, even uh, with the, for more than 1,000 uh, diaries, for more than 1,000 authors, only 80 of them had higher education and we have lack of information about uh, uh, others, in fact. What about social backgrounds? You can see peasants or farmers, about 40% of them, similar uh, percentage for workers, say manual workers, and only one-fifth of them had, in fact, any education, and I mean they had uh, formal education to be clerks or had uh, so to speak, professional education to be artisans. And this is also another information which, which is somehow funny today, but uh, 50 years ago it was also collected. What about the ideological uh, provenience of uh, authors? And as you can see, half of them were not party members. Today it is, uh, as I see, it, very interesting and important information because uh, in 1950s in Poland, if you were not a party member, you had no opportunity for a career. You, uh, in fact, were somehow threatened in uh, expulsion from work, so you, you had to be fired with no results just because you were not a member of a party. Communist party. Communist party. And there are some other parties too. <coughs> So, uh, such a percentage of non-party members mean that about half of our respondents, half of authors of, of these diaries, were brave enough to write, first, that they are not party members, and second, send their own uh, memories, their own diaries, for such a competition. Again, 1956, and uh, the time that people believed that communism is over, the freedom started. What about, uh, and this is the last slide uh, for our respondents, it presents uh, information about the type of place of origin versus place of settlement. For instance, the first column for rural areas symbolizes, uh, it means that about 80% of who were forced to live in rural areas 
came from rural areas. But as you can see, for people, people who live in big cities, again, it is not a statistical data. data. This is not just the information of authors uh, from our uh, competition. So even people living in big cities, you can see there were many people from rural areas somehow forced to live in big cities. In fact, there were just two big cities in Western Poland, Szczecin and Wrocław. And those who stayed in pre-war Polish territory were Lwów and Vilna, so there were not too many big cities. What's about towns, there were also some uh, people in terms of their social background, in terms of their professional background, who were forced to change their place of residence, were forced to change their entire lives, not only uh, by moving from one place to another, but also in having a necessity to learn something new, to, to start a new life. So, now I would like to present uh, three, uh, say, chapters of my speech. The first is for victims. As I told, there, are more than, there were more than 1,000 of memories, and uh, finally, we uh, qualified 709 of them as uh, interesting. And for this body of materials, in 193, there were descriptions of being a victim of uh, a variety of crime acts during the war. The war, I mean military actions, and civilians as, uh, how to say that, witnesses on one hand, but victims on the other had to face the situation. On the occupation, the occupation means the period of the, the war with no military, official military actions, and the liberation means the period that started in 1945 or 1944th, in fact, in, in Eastern Poland, and lasted, say, until 1956. And it was not liberation, of course, but it was the time of uh, mass looting, mass violence, mass cruelty against civilians. And I would like to present particular examples uh, in such a way. Uh, the materials are coded according to the number uh, sent for the competition. And it is a sex, it means it's written by a man. And he was about 30 years old at the time of writing this report and I hope it is visible from the very last row. Uh, well, first, it, it is a short uh, part of a memory from Bydgoszcz, uh, the city in uh, central Poland that has a German minority and in September 1939 uh, as soon as the war started, Germans in Bydgoszcz started to attack Polish troops. And as soon as Bydgoszcz was captured by German army, all the Poles in Bydgoszcz were, how to say that, threatened with lots of uh, discrimination is the light word. You can see there is a description of executions uh, against Poles, uh, of mass executions uh, with, uh, as usually during the war, with no, uh, with, no, with no reason. The execution on young boys, the execution on a man 
with her child, the execution of a priest uh, who was there too. There is another example and similar way of coding data. So it was uh, memory written by a man uh, at the age of more or less uh, 50 years old. And sometimes we are able to identify the exact age of uh, writers. Sometimes it was more complicated. In this particular example, it is a description of, uh, so to speak, a death march for arrested soldiers and civilians as well as Jews. And no matter about the ethnic background, but all of them were just shot to death during the march by German watchmen, gods, whatever. Uh, another example, written uh, report uh, uh, by a 40-year-old woman. Uh, it was not a victim of these acts, but it was a mother, a noble, noble man uh, member. It was a princess, by the way, and her son was the commander of the unit. Fortunately, he managed to survive the war. And he managed to survive only because his uh, fellow soldiers from his unit uh, talked to, to, to Bolsheviks, no, to, to Soviet army, that he is not an officer at all, but his hands, the hands like this. You can see uh, Soviets during the, the, the World War had a very clear uh, way to identify who is uh, an officer and who is... Uh, educated. If you had uh, gentle hands, it means that you are a gentleman. If you used to work manually or used to work as a farmer, it was identifiable. But uh, his uh, colleagues from his unit managed to, to save uh, his hand as they told that he is a writer in, his, in, in, in this unit, so that's why his hands look like that. Another example of um, young woman, uh, it is about 50 years old, but uh, we believe that she was younger because she, she writes that she used to be a forced worker in Germany, central Germany, and she, uh, she was forced to live in such a horrible uh, conditions that she decided to got pregnant to save her life, because at that time, uh, being pregnant, uh, if you were pregnant, I mean women, you were uh, just sent back home from, from Germany, but even though it was not saved her, unfortunately. Another example for uh, German strategy to involve Poles in uh, occupation practices, uh, there were many acts of uh, uh, Germans were trying to force Poles to, in this particular example, to watch the railway tracks at night. And peasants were forced to watch it uh, because partisans were trying to blow up trains in this particular place. So on one hand, if they noticed it and uh, didn't inform Germans, they were sentenced to death or sent to concentration camp. 
but if they that's just a tragedy of of, of locals at the time another uh, example was uh, the Germans in that area it was in uh, northeastern Poland in not northeastern occupying Poland that uh, all the cats in the village were counted because the partisans uh, were how to say that uh, partisans uh, needed cats uh, because Germans were trying to find them with dogs so if uh, partisan units had a cat and if they noticed that there is a dog all they had to do is just to release a cat and the police dogs were trying to catch a cat and partisans had a chance to escape for, from uh, Germans. Uh, there was another example of a uh, report with the price for a uh, poll uh, as another man, about 55 years old, claimed he was sold for 16 rice marks during the war. By the way, it was a very low price because uh, German machine gun MG42 costed about 1,200 rice marks. So the price for a human being at that time was 16 rice marks. In this uh, example, as he claimed, he was too old and uh, the director of his, uh, how to say that, manor house was not satisfied. He chose another one, but he was not satisfied with another one so sent him to Auschwitz for death. Another example, uh, and the price is even lower because there were also children sold uh, in here, 12 year old, 12 year old boys and 14 years old uh, girls sold for 10 race marks during the, how to say, that, the ceremony of, of buying new, new workers, new, new that would be your currency? A race marks. It is just a race mark, the currency during the war, yes. About 50 cents. I guess so. And uh, there were also some examples of sabotage uh, during the, the war. Uh, this one was uh, described by a forced worker. In winter time, it was uh, quite easy uh, to destroy any machine just if you pour hot water or water inside any engine or any mechanical part of, of the machine, it was uh, easily destroyable. So, uh, this, is, this was about victims and the descriptions of uh, crime acts. Uh, well, here are some uh, other examples of being a witness of crime acts during the, the war time as well as during the liberations. The liberation, as you can see, there is a variety of, uh, of uh, I would say, crime acts. And the pity is that the, these diaries are well known, are widely available, but uh, very little is known about the content of these diaries because, uh, well, honestly speaking, I'm not sure why, but uh, perhaps it should be uh, better known. And there is another well-known picture of drunken Soviet soldiers trying to rape women in Germany. 
but I will show you some uh, examples. Um, one of uh, there's another example of uh, crime marks definitely that and many uh, authors of memories uh, provide such information that they were forced to participate in public execution public executions in some cases it was regularly say once a week there's uh, such a an example from Białowieża in in Eastern Poland, in fact, where children were forced to participate once a week, every Friday or Saturday, to watch while when partisans were hanged. And in, in here, even uh, parents of partisans were forced to not only to watch, but also to, as written, put loops around the heads of their sons. Uh, there is another example uh, from Volenia, the southeastern part of Poland. Uh, it is uh, one of the extreme ones, although very uh, short in description. It presents the death of three Catholic priests killed by Ukrainians during the that days, written by a woman. 57 years old. Another example uh, of uh, another common practice against uh, Poles in occupied country, it was uh, burning them in, in any wooden building in uh, countryside, as you noticed. In the first slide, a picture of open-air museum. <clears throat> and wooden buildings. So during the war, there were many examples of uh, such an activity when people with the entire families, usually women or children, because men were just partisans at that times, usually so as a kind of a mass responsibility, uh, locals in a village that were claimed to support partisans were killed and burned in a uh, in any building. Uh, another one uh, similarly shocking as I see it from Krakow, the former medieval capital city of Poland and an Austrian butcher who was caught by locals, by his neighbors, for killing a young lady, young girl. And when they entered the house, because it was so shocking that they called the German police to check the situation, as so he, as you can see, he confessed that he had murdered about 70 girls this way, and he produces food, sausages, to sell it in Vienna just to, according to his words, just to multiply food resources because Poles, Jews and Gypsies were intended to be subhumans just to exterminate. Another example uh, for the liberation time and the cruelty and the misery of civilians during that time, perhaps I should 
tell about it at the very beginning of my speech that for the Polish lands during the, the war, about uh, for one single killed soldier, there were nine, so 90% of all the victims during the wartime were just civilians. So another relation this uh, time from Lwów, the eastern Poland, the big city, and the deportation, terror, arrests, and so on and so forth, uh, done by uh, Red Army officers as well as uh, NKPD. They arrested and deported to Siberia all the academics, professors from Polytechnic, as well as the youth from the university. Uh, another example of uh, very short relations uh, uh, written by a young woman with her small child. She had to, like, according to her, to her words, she had to spend two weeks with dead corpse in a basement because it was too dangerous to go outside and when they were out of any food for three days and she decided to go out, her husband was immediately caught by German soldiers and as you can read she had no news about her husband which means of course that she was shot to death. Uh, another example of uh, I think uh, the well-known fact of mass rapes that happened during the liberation by uh, Soviet uh, soldiers. Uh, and this is somehow shocking, not only because of the description of the act of, act of uh, raping women, but because, first of all, there are dozens of such descriptions and uh, for the people who had to uh, live there, who were just under first occupation, then liberation, and then Soviet domination, it was just like uh, there was no chance to escape it. Because even though you saw it, even though you were a victim of such an act, you had no opportunity to report it to anybody, to report it to police. If it was uh, conducted by Russian soldiers, it was even better not to tell it to anybody because you could be shot for informing about that. And what was so much shocking, it's not only the number of such acts, but also that it was just like, how to say that, that everybody could have been raped, including women, children, men and animals as well and there are some descriptions of zoophilia so this is even more shocking uh, another description of mass rape of german women because in such a case they had just no no chances to escape and it was even more it was even worse for for them to uh, to survive such a such a liberation, um, well, that's it. Uh, another illustration of these acts 
uh, what was also say, threatening that many of the victims died just after the acts of rape because the, of the weather conditions, it was during the winter time, because of the lack of any medical help and because of uh, the, uh, the acts of uh, rape were usually extremely cruel. This is another example of, uh, of remembrance. were somehow out of censorship and this particular example with the cross letters is just an attempt of a writer not to inform us, say academics who ordered his or her, it was written by, by a woman, that the, the one who did it, I mean who attacked them, who stole the goods, were a Russian sailor so uh, the author at that time believed that just by uh, doing this thing, uh, crossing the, these uh, suspicious le letters will uh, provide him uh, safety. Uh, and again, extremely shocking as I see, uh, as I see an example of uh, description of uh, rape, as you can see, the, the last sentence, um, she went to buy cows, she came back without cows, without money, and as a woman she has lost something more. Uh, another example of uh, prisoners from Ravensbrück concentration camps who were uh, released, saved by uh, American soldiers, but this is an interesting example of, uh, as described, uh, guards, uh, the old ones, uh, and soldiers, German soldiers, who refused to murder uh, former prisoners of the concentration camp during the, the march, because, as written, they uh, noticed that it was a lie that they were murderers and bandits. Uh, it doesn't matter if they decided to save their own lives in in that way, but fortunately all of the prisoners managed to survive. As written by a man, 55 years old, uh, he weighed less than 50 kilos during the liberation. He lost over 30 kilos in weight during the concentration camp. And the last chapter of my speech, it contains the, it is mainly focused on the liberation and uh, migration. Migration as an act of movement in space from one place to another. As I told, the movement that, start, that started in 1944 and lasted as a mass activity, mass in numbers up to 1956. We noticed an example of traumatic experience in about, not in exact, 220 uh, relations. Uh, at first it was so difficult because of the weather conditions. No matter if it was a winter time, of, if it was raining, the, uh, the infrastructure at that time was extremely 
how to say that destroy, destroyed is uh, the, the light world again for the, all the carriages uh, they had to travel were somehow uh, low quality at least okay let's let me show you the examples oh another uh, for the how to describe it it is uh, one of the polish heroes of the the second world war the one who was the commander of the uh, defending uh, the, the army officer from the Oxivia. He was murdered in 1952 by communists. The, the pre-war officer, he used to be a prisoner of, uh, of LAG, so the camp for officers during the war. He decided to come back to Poland just after the war. He was imprisoned and during at the very end of Stalinist era he was murdered by a Polish communist court. I was invited just two years ago for the funeral ceremony uh, because just two years ago his remains were found. So whatever you think about the liberation and that times it was... I will show the examples. Uh, another one written by a woman whose husband has came back from the West uh, and he was uh, said it, greeted with such words by uh, local clerks. We hate you, you bastards. Why you came here? The Western army does not matter at all. So all the people who were trying to come back to Poland just after the war were threatened in such a way of uh, treatment uh, as I presented in a map uh, about half million of former soldiers, former prisoners and forced workers decided not to come back to Poland as they were afraid of their own safety. Another uh, short part of memoirs written by a man and uh, I underlined uh, these names Siberia, Kazakhstan, Vorkuta, Kauga because uh, he was uh, a railman and he worked as a, uh, how to say that, an army officer and in 1956 uh, even writing before the Stalinism even writing such a thing that trains were coming from Kazakhstan, Siberia, Vorkuta might be extremely dangerous for the writer because it was a clear proof that people were just coming back from the gulags. Uh, okay, and uh, what about the liberation again and the time that were uh, called the Wild West? in the literature by many, uh, many uh, settlers. The Wild West means the Western territories of Poland just after the war. Uh, there is the description of, uh, as may I read, I saw two men plundering my own apartment. When I started screaming, although I knew that nobody would hurry to help anyway, one of them said, don't shout, after all, it's not yours, but German. What should I do? They walked past me and were in no hurry to leave. So uh, there's this 
a kind of an example of uh, social relation in post-war Poland, especially in the Western territories, when people were expecting that the Third World War will start soon, or at least the Germans will come back sooner or later, so everything is just somehow German, so it belongs to nobody, so looting is just the best strategy. Uh, another uh, description of uh, repressions against Poles just for Polishness or just for being a Pole as it is written uh, it was enough to be a member of the Rifle Association Polish military organization a son of a Lwów defender from the Polish Bolsheviks war in 1920s it was enough to be a son of a former policeman, it was enough to be Polish scouting activist, a teacher of Polish history, an officer or a senior of the former Polish army. So there was a variety of reasons just for being a Pole or just for being active in any field of social <coughs> activism. So you can, uh, you can be threatened, you are threatened with with repressions. Uh, another mm, description of uh, acts of cruelty both against uh, settlers traveling to the West with no exact reason they were investigated and interrogated in some cases interrogated in a way that as written uh, was equal to death and uh, as I underlined even murders of innocent victims of older people women or children were committed so at that time just traveling as some people described the migration from the east to the west even after the end of World War two was even worse than the German occupation in general uh, another example, there were many uh, reports of, um, I'm not sure how to translate it, the UB is the political police or the secret, uh, secret police at that time, secret service at that time, and they were trying to uh, collect information about everything as usual, but they were also trying to uh, to find new, uh, new people to investigate, to, to provide them information. And this is just one of many examples of, of uh, repressions, because one of the author of this relation uh, has claimed he denied to participate with the secret police, and he told that my peasant's honor did not allow me to report to the UB. And as a result, he was repressed as a kulak. Kulak means definitely someone rich enough to be repressed for not fitting the communist cliche of uh, nobody. Uh, another example uh, written by a young woman, 16 years old, and from Kotla. The present name is Kandjerzyn Kotla, I guess and uh, she and other locals noticed that the commander of militia 
in that city, that town, was the former executioner of concentration camp. And the more German, uh, German concentration camp, German concentration camp. So nobody knows how, but the former Nazi uh, clerk became a communist and became the commander of militia, the more he murdered two other railmen who identified him, the former prisoners of that concentration camp, he managed to kill them, but I believe I may use this word, he was finally identified and the story is over. So this is just the final slide uh, with uh, both important pictures to me. The right one is uh, the one published a year ago uh, and it happened somewhere in Central Russia. Russia. The Josef Stalin's monument was erected and you can see the members of Russian army marching in front of it. It was just the last year uh, situation. The left one is a bit more complicated. Uh, during the opening of a Polish cemetery in Katyn, it was in the 2000, uh, there were lots of Poles, of course. There were lots of Russians. And there was just one man, just one, who was distributing these pieces of paper to Poles. And it is written, Poles, we are terribly sorry. And there was only one who did it. Uh, okay, just to uh, summarize, I'm really honored uh, with the opportunity to stay in front of you and I'm really grateful for all your interest. I hope to publish a book on these issues next year because it is so shocking, so interesting and so much unknown that as I deeply believe it has to be published as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Very harrowing story. Well, I have news for you. The archives are chock full of material like this. <clears throat> Most of it hasn't been mined. Uh, I remember even in the case when some things were published in communist Poland as a collection of documents, uh, uh, the the editors would take great liberties. For instance, there is a collection, or there was a collection, I don't know where it is, at the Institute of History of Polish Academy of Sciences, and I was able to copy a portion pertinent to a micro-study I was writing about the county of Krasnik in central Poland, um, in the Lublin area. It's called My Village Under the Occupation, so it mostly concerns it mostly concerns um, the German occupation, but not only. And it's full of nuggets, uncensored nuggets. Sometimes um, the uh, submissions, the authors of the submissions would be very careful and they say, I hope you don't show it to anybody so I wouldn't get in trouble. This was collected in 1947 or 48 for a competition for a peasant newspaper and it was from the entire territory of Soviet-occupied Poland um, naturally not in the east but in the center and the, the west 
fabulous nuggets. When you compare, or when I compared what I found, those weren't originals. Those were already typed up letters, so it behooves a scholar who really wants to delve into it to find the original submissions, a various things that have to do with robberies, that pointed fingers at communist guerrillas. Well, if the communists were not popular in Poland, then they were not. They wanted to eat, they had to rob. So obviously the peasants knew exactly who was robbing them, and rapes galore, uh, including by the Soviets during the war and in the wake of the passing of the Red Army. Hardly any of it has surfaced and been processed in any way. The lacuna in, in the knowledge, not just popular knowledge, but about among scholars is astonishing. So you ought to be congratulated that you bother to look at what common people have to say. But there are, as I said, there are definitely other depositories, other sources, for instance, so-called county supervisor papers. So every county has an office of the county supervisor. You don't have to go to the uh, provincial town. You can look in the locality into the archives and see things on micro, micro scale. For instance, <clears throat> during the Second World War and in, in its aftermath, there functioned a, char a charity called uh, Rada Główna Opiekuńcza in central Poland, and it has its uh, offices down to the uh, Gemeinde or um, village cluster levels. The people who ran, the, uh, ran those operations tended to be teachers or priests, local na landed nobility intelligentsia, or more prominent farmers. They are chock full of rapes, attacks, and just harrowing experiences handwritten by uh, the local charity workers. I mean, there is a uh, what was dubbed as a definite monograph on the Nazi occupation of the Lublin area. And I uh, uh, pointed out 20 years later, after its publication, and it's hailing us, an exhaustive account. I said, look, there's, you, guys, you guys have hardly anything on the Holocaust. But okay, if, if you were not interested in, if you were not interested in that in particular, how about the SS deportation of the Christian population in the summer of 1943? And I was told, but this is not the Zamość area. They deported half the county and nobody noticed. Why? Because the German civilian authorities became upset and within a month those people were released. It still should not register as a non-event without micro-studies, micro without delving into the bowels of the smallest of localities and referring to the littlest of the people, you don't know anything. And there you go. They had the communists had 40 years. They, they didn't even cover the Nazis. Otherwise, you've all heard about, or most of you, about a little town called Yedvavne, uh, which suddenly became a revelation, which shouldn't have. But nobody really bothered to study anything. Seriously. And 
I am very glad that now in free Poland, slowly but surely, there is a, a counter-institutional movement to fill in the gaps because there was no decommunization. So old communist professors and their new postmodernist clones are in place and they will bristle at such attempts. I don't know the situation at the University of Poznan, but I know, <laughs> uh, I know enough to understand what it is that post-communist countries are facing. They're facing the establishment, which is lazy and which doesn't like to dirty its hands by conducting micro-studies. The party line is what it is. It first came from Moscow, now it's from Brussels or New York. And that's what they do. Anyway, two questions now. Or you, you're welcome to respond if, I, okay. if my analysis is wrong. Yes, um, it's very interesting. I'm very interested what you have to say and all the work that went into it. I'm not actually clear on how the diaries, were they solicited? Were the people who wrote them given some guidelines on, on what, to, uh, what they should include? I, I guess I'm not clear exactly um, how they were there were officially there were officially approved competitions for diaries for memoirs and uh, they were sent in a paper version about two-thirds of them were written in uh, using a machine writing machine about one-third of it was written by hand and now it is digitalized and is uh, available I guess I'm still trying to understand um, what the, for the competition, what, what were they supposed to, what did a good diary or the one that... Oh, that's a very good question and I'm afraid that I'm not able to answer it correctly. Well, first of all, there is a variety of motivations why people decided to send their own memories. Some of them, as we, uh, I mean, as I am a member of a group of four uh, scientists involved in the research, we identified some of the diaries uh, motivated by the, just the need to say the truth for the first time in 15 years. Some other was, uh, as we believe, motivated by a kind of uh, earning money because the best diaries selected by the board of professors were to receive uh, money for, as, as a prizes. Uh, some other we identified as motivated by a kind of uh, psychological, how to say that, catharsis. So I want to write something for the first time in my life. I want to say something I managed to survive, but it was so horrible, as you probably noticed, that some of these relations seem to be extremely shocking, in the, even if the way of uh, just describing such... Uh, such uh, institute, such uh, experiences, and honestly speaking, uh, these these were not the most shocking ones. Because if we imagine that some of these were not written but survived by small children, say ten years old, who had to watch it, it's even more shocking. So, thank you. Yes, please. Your examples were equally weighted between experience with the Germans. And later with the Soviets, is there is that is that 
equate to a balance, a rough, a rough balance between experiences with the two, or is one qualitatively more pronounced than the other? Well, uh, it was the qualitative research and the list of authors is. Uh, it's extremely difficult to answer such a question because in some uh, diaries, say, some of them are 100 pages long or even longer, and people describe at first the war, uh, say, military actions in September 1939, then, then describe the occupation by Germans and another occupation by Soviets and another war acts during the front line approaching and another during the liberation and another ones during the Stalinism it is much more complicated than just the zero one uh, result I'm afraid yes please uh, in the uh, title of your lecture it says that civilian survival strategies will be addressed and develop various ways to cope with extreme situations but I didn't hear that addressed in your lecture do you have any comment <laughs> Thank you for this question. I was afraid about such a... Uh, well, yes, definitely I should answer the question I posted in, in the title. Generally speaking, it was much more complicated than, than just a strategy for survival. There were many examples of uh, kind of heroism when even threatened with uh, restrictions or death. You decided to help others. But what uh, at the present stage of my research, what, what, what I was uh, able to identify, that there were very many, dozens, hundreds, perhaps hundreds, uh, examples of small uh, acts of uh, being clever enough to be more clever than an armed German soldier or an armed and drunken Soviet soldier. For instance, the, the, <coughs> the situation with cats. Uh, or another one with dogs uh, during uh, the Stalinist era. Uh, the, uh, just a short example, in 1950 or so, uh, in, there's a written example of uh, that everybody has to be counted and described and so on and so forth. So in one village, uh, the communist clerks arrived to count all dogs. So what uh, local farmers did they just released all dogs and said, okay, now we catch them and, and count them. So that they were not able to, to do it. So, and there, there were many similar examples to, to be smarter than the enemy or the smarter than the aggressor or someone who has the power on one hand, but your only chance to survive, only chance to, to have something, to have food for your family was to be smarter. So. I'm so sorry, but at the time, uh, right now, I'm not uh, able to answer the question in a satisfying manner, but I hope that, uh, as I told, next year, in a more well, better structured way, there will be a written uh, example of uh, answering your question. Thank you. We can have one more question. Are there any more questions? Who will publish? Who will be the publisher? Negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Thank you. Thank you.